Calling home from there this morning is Sarah Davison. People with long memories may rem- remember her as Fiona Dalgleish on the popular TV show Once Upon a Time Country GP. Sarah's from Christchurch, went to Canterbury University, and at age 23, she said, see ya, in a nice way, and set off to live in Europe. She was in London for 18 years, worked as a children's presenter on the BBC, acted, sang, narrated documentaries, and made language learning recordings for Oxford University Press. But now she's a long-time Barcelonian. Kia ora, Sarah. Kia ora, or as we say here, Jim, um, bona tarda. That's Catalan. Good afternoon, evening. Oh, what what happened to good old Ola? Ola, Ola's fine. You can everyone says Ola, but you know we've we've had um, we've in Catalonia we've had a very divisive independence movement, so we have to say uh, we have to say bon, bona tarde and buenas tardes, buenas tardes as well. Right, you have to do everything in two languages. <laughs> <laughs> now your sister Mary, I think you used to busk with her sometimes in London in the old days. She got you to Barcelona, didn't she? Somehow. Yes, you have been doing your homework. Yes, she did. Yes. And she, like many Kiwis and Brits and people, English speakers, generally ended up in Barcelona studying, although she's an actor just like me and a singer like me. But she ended up uh, in Barcelona and stayed, fell in love with Mariano, who now makes chorizos in New Zealand, which is interesting. (laughs) Makes what? And Yes. He makes chorizo, chorizo, you probably call it, chorizo. Um, and he's a yeah he's a great chef. Anyway, they live they went back to Christchurch to look after my um, ailing elderly mother and father years ago, right? And stayed there. Okay. But yes, it's Mary's fault that we're here. <clears throat> you know, Kiwis go to Berlin. We hear a lot about that. Uh, we don't hear so much about them going to Barcelona. But are there a few there? Oh, there are some really quite um, important Kiwis here. We have some singers. We have a lot of sailors we have yeah i mean there's there is there's an interesting mixture of kiwis here we're a t- small group but we're very um we're quite close it's lovely actually and yeah. in, and in your case you're very vocal yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yes noisy noisy kiwis and you're with an outfit called barcelona voices a- am i up to date with this yeah, that's what I do most of the time. That pays the um, mortgage, that pays the bills. That's been me for many years. Since since I came from London, which is now 22 years ago, I obviously couldn't work as an actor or a presenter, which I'd done for years. I worked for the BBC for years as a kids presenter, but I wasn't going to be able to do that. I speak good Spanish and reasonable Catalan, but we, we sound strange. You know, I'm never going to be able to... Uh, be completely integrated into that world. So I had to find something else. And I had done voiceover work when my kids were small in London. And so that's become a great world for me because, as with many of us these days, you can work from anywhere if you've got a studio, a little portable studio. Or a... It's great having English. It's great having uh, the BBC and, and TVNZ on your CV because you, you slide into those jobs easier. Right. And and that's become that's, – I, I absolutely love doing voice work. I adore it. What sort of voice work do you get, though, in a Spanish country? Well, it's interesting. I mean, there's mostly in English, mostly for local but also international companies. So the thing that pays better is the commercial work. Uh, You know, thank you for calling something or other or the, you know, our companies, but I get all of those sort of commercial videos that everyone wants on their web pages for whatever it is. I do those. And then I do... Um, 
all of the modern art gallery audio guides for up and down the country. Ah. I do, you know, some of these buildings, I do all those audio guides. And then the thing I love most is cartoons and films, that animated films. There's a lot of lovely artwork done in Spain and Catalonia. So I get to do the English versions of that and direct them quite a lot as well. Yes, I I knew you were involved in cartoons behind the scenes as well as your voice being prominent. Have you ever had to say your call is very important to us? <laughs> I have. I I hate to say it. I am one of those people you want to throw across the room when you can't get to a real person for a well-known brand that I'm not allowed to say. Yes, I'm afraid I am. You've got Shameful. a very you've got a very nice voice. You're blessed with that, and you sing in a band called yeah. Guatec Town. Is that how you say? It? Yeah. Well, Guateque, Guateque. Do you know we chose that name because it was the name that they gave uh, Peter Sellers' movie, The Party, during Franco's Spain, which was a very oppressive, uh, as you know, dictatorship, violent and oppressive. People used to gather in their living rooms because he didn't like people dancing to modern sort of 60s and 70s music. And they would get down and wateke. And we ah. loved it because it sounded like wataki. It sounded almost like a Maori word. So yeah. we thought that we would call ourselves wateki town. And that was me and my sister and a fabulous Scottish uh, guitarist called Andy Gemmell who started wateki town. What, yeah. a, what a great name. What a great name. Uh, and on Facebook, on your Facebook or Instagram, one of the two, heartbroken songs and vintage humour, cabaret covers, guilty pleasures. Uh, I've exactly. I've seen a little clip of you. It looks like a lot of fun. You, you actually rock it out a bit. We do. I do heavy metal ukulele, Jim, which I love to do. Uh, <laughs> I do. We do some seriously good harmonies, and we try and be classy. So even when we're we're um, being silly, we we try and do it well. And we have a giggle. It's cabaret as much as it's music. There's nothing like heavy metal ukulele, really. <laughs> there isn't. It's true. <laughs> you're, the only, you're the only exponent I've ever heard of. Okay, 20 million visitors a year into Barcelona. We've all heard about, you mm. know, the glut of tourists. Not many right now, though, I imagine, Sarah. Oh, it's gorgeous at the moment. The streets are just full of locals shopping. Occasional French people have propped across the border, or but mostly just locals shopping madly and going, you know, uh, wandering around the beautiful lights and listening to music. And it's it's a lovely time to be here. Winter, highly recommended. Winter and autumn, much better than the summer, which has become, as they say here, insupportable, impossible, <laughs> too hot, too long. <laughs> Insupportable. What do uh, people locally do for Christmas? It would be well on show, I imagine, in a big Catholic country. Yes, it's curious, actually, because they have so many holidays here. We're actually in the middle of a big holiday now. It's mad about holidays, this country. But yes, they do. The Catalans celebrate Christmas Day like we do, and the Spanish celebrate Christmas Eve broadly. I mean, there are some exceptions, and there are lots of families that are all mixed up between Catalan and Spanish. So, yes, it is a big deal, but it's one of many big festivals here, whereas I always think in the Anglo-Saxon world it's our biggie, really, because we don't have others in the same way. Yeah, you seem to have endless festivals. I was reading about one called the Fire Festival where they run through the streets. The Corafoc run with fire. Yeah, that's um, insane. Health and safety would never allow it in England or New Zealand. Um, It's insane. Basically, people have Catherine wheels on the end of a stick, wear Hessian suits, and the kids all run around throwing Catherine wheels at each other and sparks go everywhere, and it's it's nuts. Yeah. (laughs) Nuts, but spectacular. (laughs) 
Sarah Davison is in Barcelona calling home. So it's a beautiful city, access to mountains and beaches. You've brought up your boys there and in London, I'm assuming. And have you brought them back to New Zealand much? Well, never enough. Uh, they were one in three when we came to live here, oh, really? Jim. So really, they, they when you ask them, where are you from, which everyone does always, because it's fascinating that they're trilingual. They, they learned Catalan at school. They spoke Spanish in the playground and obviously English at home. Um, they always say we're Barcelonan, Barcelonians, Barcelonese, meaning we consider ourselves like Londoners do, or I don't know if New Zealand's become like that yet. Uh, they consider themselves city people rather than it's such a minefield to say whether you're Catalan or Spanish or English or New Zealand. Um, and that's really how they feel, I think. But they are a little bit Kiwi and a little bit Brit and a little bit this and a little bit that. There's a whole generation of kids who are like that now. It's quite normal, really. What are their names? Their names are Ruben and Louis. Ruben, and, and I imagine Ruben isn't a common well, name. Ruben. Ruben, okay. <laughs> Ruben's a common name. Yes, the Catalans say Ruben and the Spanish say Ruben. Uh, Louis is very difficult. We thought we were choosing something that was going to work, and he hates it because everyone calls him Louise. Uh, he can't bear his name. Right, okay, <laughs> problem. How do you... Yes. How do you feel, Sarah, when you come home? Do you ever, do you feel torn yourself? Oh God, God, yes. I, you know, absolutely, Jim. And I know I'm not alone. I know there are lots of people like me who've lived away from New Zealand forever, but still feel deeply Kiwi. And you know, everyone here is always asking me, "What on earth are you doing here?" That's the best country in the in the world, isn't it? <laughs> they have huge respect for New Zealand, and they can't they can't quite understand what I'm doing here. And I always say, "Well, it's a wee place, you know." And I I, I came when I'm in my twenties because it was it was small, and it felt like I knew the entire population of of, New, of, of actors' equity in New Zealand. And I needed to get away. Now it feels very attractive. I, I can see why I might want to move there. But um, when you're young and you just want to spread your wings and see the big world, you know, in, in all its glory, it feels small and it feels isolated. Understood. Uh, Barcelona is not a wee place. How do you get around? We walk. Really? I walk. I do between seven and eight, nine kilometres a day between jobs walking around the studios. Everything is intensely packed it's one of the most uh, intensely populated urban cities in europe so we just walk we walk everywhere and public transport's cheap and easy if you need it to get from one side of town to the other quickly it's one of the perks of living here and where do you live exactly i live right in the middle and it's lovely i like living in the center do you live in one of those european style apartment blocks yeah, with I really five, do. five or six stories high Yes, exactly. And it's got French doors all along a long cor corridor, which uses up a lot of space, isn't very efficient, but lovely. Glass French doors and then a little balcony at the back and it's onto, a, onto one of those squares. They built these big, in the 19, late 1800s and early 1900s, these blocks of very beautiful Art Nouveau houses, some more beautiful than others. But there's just so much of that in this city. You could just spend life wandering around the city looking at beautiful architecture. It's, it's fabulous. I'm going to get right to the architecture. For some reason, we started watching a Netflix series based in Barcelona called Who is Erin Carter, which shows off the, sub oh. shows off the suburbs. Well, she's 
I won't tell you the plot. Uh, and a, a very pleasant, <laughs> very pleasant suburbs there seem to be. That wide streets lined with trees. It's it seems to be beautiful out of the city as well. Yes, I mean obviously all, particularly Mediterranean, but all European cities have those blocks that we know the housing estates where people get shoved who haven't yeah. got much money yes. um, and tend to service the ones who have. That uh, Barcelona isn't, isn't exempt from that. We have um, La Mina, which is uh, one of those, um, and various other places that are poorer and less beautiful. But I think it is beautiful, yeah, and a lot of very sort of humble flats, but they're, they're, they're nicely designed. And since we've had a wonderfully progressive left-wing mayor called Adekalao, she basically was on a one-woman campaign to make the city less polluted and the air fresher for people. And so she's pedestrianised big chunks of the city, which means that it's really nice to live in now. I go walking a lot. I walk... Um, I walk in Penedès along the coast, which is where our little house, we've got a little cottage we bought when we lived in London, cost nothing then, along the coast of uh, the south coast near Sitges, all the way down to Tarragona, which is a walk I do, which is three hours. And that's just stunning, beautiful. The, the Costa Brava isn't far from you, is it, with those beautiful, no. beautiful coastal villages? Yes, and stunning beaches, really gorgeous beaches. They are really glorious, and they're very full in the summer, but obviously they're wonderful in, in off summer and spring and autumn. It, yeah, the Costa Brava's gorgeous, really is. Speaking of buying things for next to nothing, I saw a three-storey, six-bedroom house, uh, 400 square metres big, in a place called yeah. a place called Blanes or Blanes. Yes, you know? yes, Blanes. Blanes, yes. okay. Big swimming Blanes. pool. Big swimming pool, arched verandas, the sea on one side, mountains on the other. Six hundred thousand euros, and flats with incredible wow. and flats with incredible views right on the beach. Two hundred and fifty thousand euros, about six hundred k New Zealand. No wonder people sell up and go and live there. The Brits, especially. <laughs> that sounds cheaper than I would have thought. Actually, yeah. I'm surprised. Okay. I'm surprised, Jim. I should get into that's, real that's, estate. Yes, cheaper. <laughs> the um, the buildings the buildings by the architect Gaudi in Barcelona, which have in turn been inspirational, I think, in the architecture since which you've been mentioning. What a simple question: What would the city be without him? Do you think? Well, Gaudi is the star, and he was the most radical, and he took you know the natural form, the curvy linen natural form, in a more holistic approach. So some of his buildings are more dramatic. But he's only part of the movement. There are actually tons of architects from that period who are just as wonderful, slightly perhaps more conservative, some of them. I mean, you only have to walk down the street and look in the what we call the entradas, the hallway, the entrance ways of these houses, and you see just stunning ironwork, stunning uh, plasterwork, beautiful natural sort of trees and sculpted interiors that that you know one can only dream of. They are everywhere in this city. The Sagrada Familia, the Temple of the Holy Family, that that is the one place you shouldn't miss when you come. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is perhaps amongst my friends. Some people call it the barnacle. They they call it all sorts of things. Uh, some people hate it because it's been being constructed over such a long period of time. And as we know, architects have come and gone, um, including a New Zealander who was in charge, Mark, I can't remember his second name. Uh, he was amazing. He was okay. in charge of the construction for a while. Uh, 
you can see that it's a bit of a puzzle. It's It's got patches of this and patches of that. But I think that's a modern cathedral. And I accept and understand there'll be some stars that I like more than others. I think it's a, you mustn't miss because it's it's unique. It has extraordinary stained glass. It has a beautiful use of, of materials. It's uplifting, looking both outside and inside at the honeycomb towers. It's it's extraordinary. It's absolutely amazing. You're a great tour guide, actually. Uh, and just staying with the architecture, I came across, because there's that famous park as well. Park, is it? Park Wei, yes. Yeah, yeah. Wei. And that, yeah. that looks absolutely enchanting. That's just magic land, isn't it? It is, unfortunately, because of um, too much, too many tourists. You have to book a slot and pay a fortune to go. Oh, really? And it's actually quite a small space. So, yes, again, if you come in the summer, uh, either get up early or go late. <laughs> <laughs> it, yes, Park Well has been a bit a bit ruined by tourism, I'm afraid. And one more. I saw a place called Casa Butlo, which is... Yeah, Casa Butlo. Oh, oh, right, mm. okay, which is said to be the strangest residential building in the world, and it certainly looks like that. It's a dragon. It's a blue dragon. Yes. Yeah. I do the voiceover for that if you want to go. Oh, really? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's stunning. It's absolutely magical. And one of the things that Gaudí did was just a, a sort of, to give you an example, there's a an internal stairwell with a lift. At the top, it's uh, dark, blue. And as you go down, because it gets gloomier, the tiles gradually just fade to a lighter blue and a cream at the bottom. Ah. So he did things like that. I mean, it, it's just it's exquisite. <laughs> and no straight lines. Isn't it fantastic? No straight lines, no. <laughs> All based on, on nature. No straight lines in nature either. <laughs> what would be the downsides of living in Barcelona? Well, one word, bureaucracy. Uh, let me give you an example. My sons have been trying to get their Spanish passports for... It took my husband, who's a Brit, who's English, uh, it took him five years and he had to pay an extra thousand when the government claimed to have lost his pieces of paper and oh, not dealt with what? it within the year. I mean, things like just simple things like if you lose your identity document, trying to replace it, trying to get a, what they call a cita previa, an appointment to, to report the fact that it's been stolen or lost, can take weeks, months. That's the one one of the many things I miss about New Zealand, you know, just being able to go into an office and say, can I please have a new driver's license or whatever piece of paper you're missing? Yeah. Here it's a total nightmare. Oh, okay. That would put you off, actually. But what about other considerations like, you know, medical services and... Uh, no, the doctors are fabulous. Cheaper, right. we've got, we don't pay. You guys pay to go to the doctor. It's free here. And we have much better medical services than Britain now. Much better. My British friends... You know, if they have, have to go to the doctors when they're here, they're just astounded <laughs> because it's not the PR that the Mediterranean has, but we have fabulous um, medical services here. The Catalan Cuisine, three-star Michelin restaurants, famous for food. Yep. What's ordinary food like at neighbourhood restaurants? I mean, what would you recommend on the menu typically if you took us out for the night? Well, the, you see, the great thing is that one of the positive things Franco left us with was, was a menu del dia. That, that's a day, you know, a three-course meal 
which used to be when I came six euros equivalent and now was probably 10 to 15 now or maybe a bit more okay. now for that you'll get a glass of wine and you may have to pay a euro for a coffee you'll get something like um, a salad for a start you'll get a simple salad it won't be fa- it won't be otulengi it will be very simple but it'll be good and you'll have some olives maybe in that lovely tomatoes lettuce or you might have a vegetable dish but like roasted vegetables as scalibada which have been roasted on the um, on charcoal or on a, on a griddle. And then you might have, on a Thursday, you'll have paella, which is my favorite dish, one of my favorite dishes, seafood paella or a, with sometimes with rabbit and chicken in it as well, mixed one. Or you might have a little lump of meat or a bit of uh, fish and some potatoes and maybe a little bit of veg. And then you might have a crema catalana or a bit of ice cream or a bit of fruit. It'll be simple. It won't be fancy cuisine, but you'll get that for 15 euros and a glass of wine. Gee, that's good. So right it's, it's it's great. You know, that's really good. That's the bottom end. And obviously we've got, yeah, seriously fancy cooking at the other end. Amazing <laughs> food. Yes, yeah, so I've read. Are the people on the streets glamorous, stylish? It's a fashion capital as well, isn't it? Yeah, no. We're not. <laughs> no, okay. I don't think so. We're not like the Italians. There are some... <laughs> the, um, we don't do the bella figura. I think that's one of the things I like about Spain. It's a bit more it's a bit more DMs and jeans and low key. You know, never see a man in a tie unless they're visiting politician, really. Um it's very low key, it's laid back. Um it's a bit more earthy. The Italians are much more, uh, in my opinion, and the French more obsessed with how they look. Although here people do dress up, um, but it's rare. They're very relaxed most of the time. I'm quoting from Lonely Planet. A walk along the seafront, evenings on a rooftop terrace with views over the city's spacious parks, the Marina, Olympic Village, FC Barcelona, the Picasso Museum. There is a lot to do, isn't there? Yeah, there is. There really is, yes. Uh, All of that is true. My only problem with it really is that the competition for it is just ridiculous in the summer months, as I keep going on about. But yeah, it's pretty close to perfect. Um, it, that, which is why everyone wants to come here, you know, and we've got lots of young people coming now who are virtual nomads, internet nomads, and they can work wherever they want. So my son's generation are a bit annoyed by that because it means that they're competing with French, German, Dutch wages, and the, the rents have gone up really ah, high right. as a result because everyone can re- work um, long distance, and so they're doing that. And the, it's, it's very expensive for younger people who... Who are living here. Sometimes, you know, when you look out at the sparkling Mediterranean, do you ever wish it was the Pacific and that you were on Brighton Beach? I really do. I, not so much Brighton Beach, but, you know, Golden Bay or <laughs> Island Bay. I lived in Wellington for a long time. I don't right. wish Brighton so much. I might, or the West Coast of the South Island or, you know, Torrent Bay where I spent holidays when I was a kid in the middle of Gold, National uh, Abel Tasman. I have my favourite spots in New Zealand. Yes, I really miss it. I, that, that your first 20, 23 years that I had in, in Aotearoa has absolutely conditioned me, and that's who I feel I am. So, I, you know, although I have lived here almost as long now, um, it's in my soul, it's in my blood. I love New Zealand, and I can't wait to go back. Great to talk with you. <laughs> and look, Sarah, thank you for giving us the time. Oh, it's a great pleasure, and um, it's a lovely thing to do. I've listened to a lot of your programs, and it's a, you know, it's nice for Kiwis who are away as well as Kiwis who are at home to to hear the stories.
I love it. Absolutely. Nice for me as well. What's a nice, elegant way to say goodbye in Spanish? Bueno, you can say hasta, lo, hasta luego, which oh, hasta is what luego. Spanish say, or you can yeah. uh, finish después, <laughs> which is the Catalan, um, which is see you soon, see you later. Or hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> yes, you can say that too. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to chat. Uh, it's lovely to talk to you, Jim.